That was great. Yeah, well, hey, welcome to Northridge Church. It is so good to be with you this morning. We are thrilled and excited that you have chosen a piece of your December and hanging out with us at Northridge Church. Welcome to our campuses, uh, Webster Online in Rochester, and welcome home. And we really mean that, right? In the holiday season, home is a really special place for us. We love to be home with family. And our goal in our heart, honestly, if you're a guest or a regular Northridge or through the month of December and really every weekend, that you would feel a tangible difference here, that you would feel that welcome home of Northridge. And so we're honored to have you this morning. And you know what? Maybe I'll be the first, or maybe I'll be one of many just to say, Merry Christmas, right? I'm, I, anybody else excited about Christmas? I'm excited, yeah. And you know what? Whether you like it or not, we are all on a collision course for December 25th. And so I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving, but Christmas is on the horizon. And so I thought we'd have a little fun as we begin our Christmas series. And we, we would settle together as a church some debates around something that we all do during the Christmas season. We watch movies, Christmas movies, and there's all kinds of Christmas movies. We all have our favorites, but what I did for us is I came up with the three categories, two top movies, and you can decide which one is better. So here we go, right? Let's start with the Christmas classics. And in this category, I put two movies, White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. Now it's really up to you. How many of you here this morning over our campuses, by a show of hands, would say, White Christmas all day long? Come on, put your hands in the air. Okay, wow, I, I'm, I'm surprised. How many of you say, It's a Wonderful Life? We are two for two. 8.30 said the same thing at 9 o'clock. Okay, so It's a Wonderful Life. If you voted for White Christmas, sorry, you're a loser. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, let's go to the next one. This is what I call the Christmas comedies. This is where maybe the debate is the greatest. Um, let's go with Elf and Christmas Vacation, okay? How many of you would say Elf all day long? Okay, how many of you are just willing to admit with the church that you like Christmas Vacation? Come on, put your hands in the air. Okay, it, this one is pretty close, but I think it's gone to Elf each service, okay? Last category is what I call the scary Christmas movies. These are the movies that keep your kids up all night because you allowed them to watch them. The first one is A Christmas Carol. The second one is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. How many of you are saying A Christmas Carol? Come on, put your hands in the air. Come on, people, this is my favorite Christmas movie. George C. Scott, it will scare you to death. Okay, how many of you say in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? You're all wrong, I don't believe you, okay? <laughs> the truth is, is we probably didn't settle any debates, but we all can agree that this time of year, there's probably not a whole lot better than getting together with some hot chocolate, grandma's Christmas cookies, sitting in your living room and watching all of the Christmas movies together. And for me, when it comes to get into that Christmas spirit, the holiday season, there's really nothing greater than Cindy Lou Who in her pigtails singing, Where Are You Christmas? And what's interesting about this movie, we always focus on the green guy, right? The guy who just can't stand Christmas, who's transformed by the end of the movie. But what's fascinating to me is Cindy Lou Who is kind of a mirror image of the Grinch, right? As she sees her parents and her culture do all the Christmas things, she wonders, where has Christmas gone? And the reality is true for all of us today is that do you realize that you can do all the Christmas traditions, the seasonal activities, 
and still completely miss Christmas. And bake all of grandma's cookies and drink all the hot chocolate you can handle. You can get every Christmas latte at Starbucks. You can wrap all the presents under your tree, decorate, put all the decorations, the lights and the trees. And many people do this in society. They do all these things. And yet when Christmas is over, they, they have this feeling that something is still missing. And may I suggest that maybe it is. And so this morning we're starting this series that's gonna really usher us into Christmas Eve called Where Are You Christmas? Because what we will find out is, is we are very much like the very first Christmas, that there were people who were so close to Christmas and yet they missed it. So if you got your Bibles, John chapter one. John chapter one, you can go there in your device, uh, your physical Bibles, I'd encourage you to follow along. And I get it, right? John chapter one is not really a Christmassy passage, right? Most of us would say, well, well, why not Matthew or Luke? But what's interesting is John talks about Christmas. And so we're starting in a little bit of a unique place. And if you weren't with us the last couple of weeks, we just finished a series called Getting to Know Your Bible, a series on understanding the Bible and how it was brought together. And we challenged people to, to engage with God's word. And I would suggest if you haven't done that or you're ready to start that, that maybe the best book to start in is the book of John. Because let me give you just a little background on John. John was one of the 12 disciples. So he was close to Jesus, but many people believe that John was actually one of Jesus' closest friends. Because in the 12, Jesus had an inner circle called the three, and John was a part of it. And so John experienced Jesus probably at the deepest level every human being had. He shared conversations and interactions and experiences with Jesus that most people never even saw or heard. And look what he says about Christmas, John chapter one, verse nine. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So right here, John is referring to December 25th, to Christmas. And what he tells us is a true light, that Christmas is the true light that will shine into the darkest of places. It's the glimmer of hope for all of humanity that hope on Christmas has arrived and it can shine in any darkness. Because I would suggest that many people, and I've been in ministry long enough to understand a couple things. One, a lot of people love Christmas. You ask my family, you ask our staff, what do we call Drew this, during this time of year? We call him Mr. Christmas. Because I'm the crazy guy in July who is holly and jollying to Christmas music. I'm the guy who decorates our house right after Halloween is over. Like, I get it. Judge me all you want. I don't care. I love Christmas. And many of you are like me. You just can't wait to get into all the Christmas things. But I also am, am not naive enough to realize that for many people... Christmas can be a very dark time. For many people, the month of December, they just wish they could fast forward or skip past. Because what Christmas does is it reminds us of maybe of things that we don't want to be reminded of. For many of you, you're gonna be reminded this Christmas of loved ones that you wish you could celebrate with that are no longer here. For many of you, you're gonna be reminded, we're all probably gonna be reminded a little bit of the dysfunction and the brokenness in our family. 
caused by maybe divorce and you can't be with your kids or maybe caused by, by fights or turmoil in your family that someone won't come because you're gonna be there and it's just chaotic. It's a reminder of, of the broken relationships that we experience. For many people, Christmas is lonely, it's dark, and it's depressing. And that's actually a little more accurate to the very first Christmas because the Jewish people lived in a dark circumstance. They were oppressed by the Roman Empire. The, the Jewish people probably had friends who were killed, crucified because they broke Roman rules. They were taxed to death. They could barely make it by, barely provide for their family. And so when John said the true light was coming, they were like, okay, John, we can't see any light. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for us because all they could see was Roman oppression. But what's true is they should have known that at some point light was coming, the Messiah was coming because it was predicted long before them, right? Isaiah 49, look what it says. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so if you read the book of Isaiah when it comes to Christmas, the book was written 700 years before Jesus ever came. And so Isaiah predicts a light was coming. But no one knew when it was, and so the Jewish people knew that the Messiah would come, but they kind of got tired and weary of waiting for light in the middle of the darkness. And if you study the Bible, right, we learned this in this last series, that when you read the Old Testament, although it can be confusing and hard, what we have to realize is that every page of the Bible points to one story in the Bible and one person in the Bible. His name is Jesus. And so John tells us, hey, a light's coming, and that light will penetrate the darkness, give light to everyone. The question is, how would people respond to it? And John gives us the answer. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, he was in the world. That's Jesus, the light. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And this is where this, this passage kind of takes a turn because the opening line is very hopeful, right? A light is coming. Whoa, yes, I'm full of hope. And it's going to give light to everyone in the darkness. Yes. And then you realize that the light came and people missed it. They didn't recognize the light and they didn't receive it. And what happens in the very first Christmas is what often happens to all of us. The world missed the person and the purpose of Christmas. The world missed, ultimately, the celebration of what Christmas was designed for, and what happened in the first century was a trend was started. A trend was started that would continue family after family, generation after generation, thousands of years after thousands of years, that we could celebrate Christmas, do all the traditional things, and still miss the point, miss the miracle. And John says, the world missed Jesus in two ways. The first one is they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who Jesus was, and they didn't know what he came to do. And do you want to know why the, the people of Jesus' day missed Jesus? It was because of their expectations of Jesus. You see, the, the, the Jewish people were longing for a Messiah, waiting for a Messiah, but what they thought the Messiah was and, and would do, they were waiting for a king who would be worshipped. They were waiting for a conqueror who would take over the Roman Empire. And do you know what they got? A baby 
in an inconspicuous place. They wanted a warrior. They wanted someone to, to, to lead them past the Roman Empire, to free them from all the bad circumstances. And you know what the baby did? It came, and it didn't lead and move the charge. It died. And so their expectations of the Messiah were shattered. And because of it, they just completely didn't recognize who Jesus was. And how true is that for me and you? Right, we have expectations of Jesus and God in our lives, and when God doesn't meet those expectations, we don't even recognize it. We miss it. And the world missed and didn't recognize Jesus. And Christmas reminds us of how we should recognize Jesus. The first thing that we should recognize about Jesus is our desperate need for him. Right, remember what John said. John said, a light that is coming, the true light is coming, and that light will give light in the darkness. You see, the Bible teaches us one fundamental truth about all of us, is that when we are born into this world, we are born into darkness. We are born into darkness because of sin. We're born sinners, and there is nothing that you and I can do to get out of that darkness. No light that we can bring to the darkness that will penetrate it, not in our own might, not in our own strength. We are trapped in our darkness, and what that does every Christmas is it reminds us that we were in desperate need of a savior. We were in desperate need of light. And so it's, we need to recognize our need for him. Secondly, we need to recognize who this was. That on Christmas, we don't celebrate the birth of a baby. Right, that happens all the time. I think it's like every seven seconds, a new baby comes into the world. We ain't celebrating all those. Some people are, but not all of us. But the reason why we celebrate is because who this baby is. This is an ordinary baby. This is the moment where God chose to leave heaven and come to earth. The Bible says, Emmanuel. God with us, God incarnate, fully God, fully human. This is the perfect, flawless son of God. And he came to rescue us. So we need to recognize our need for him, our need for a savior. We need to recognize who he was. And then we need to recognize his sacrifice and his purpose. You see, most kings in society or presidents, when they show up, they make sure everybody knows it, they make sure everybody's paying attention, and they make sure they get the adoration and the appreciation for all that they do. Jesus was different. Jesus came, and most of the world had no clue he had arrived. He didn't come to be worshipped and adored. He didn't come to sit on a throne. No, he came to wear servanthood. And that servanthood led him to a cross where he gave up his life for the darkness in your life so you could experience the light. And so we have to recognize who Jesus is, why we needed him, and what he did for us. The world missed that. They didn't recognize Jesus. The second thing John says is they didn't receive him. You know, when you think about this word receive, Christmas has become all about this, right? We receive and give gifts. Many of you are going to receive people into your homes, whether that's to bake cookies or have family come over or to eat dinner or as friends or a community group to watch party. When you receive somebody into your home, you, you welcome them in, you create space, you put up tables, right? Because you want to celebrate, you want them to come in and understand and appreciate what is going on. In the world, Jesus arrived, 
and barely anybody made room for him. And here's the scary part. As Jesus got older, the religious leaders, they knew exactly who Jesus was and they failed to believe him. And what scares many people, what scares me to death is that you can understand who Jesus is and still choose not to believe in him. And that is many people in our culture and our society today. In fact, that's many people who show up to church every single week. Where you know what? You could list the details of Jesus' story. You could tell me the facts of what Jesus did. You could even stand on the stage and preach the gospel. But what has failed in your life is you failed to accept it, to embrace it, to believe it, and to receive it into who you are. You see, Jesus is just knowledge to you. He's stuck in your head and he hasn't transformed into your heart. This is why Paul says when you want to get saved, there's, there's this collision with two things. He says this in, in, in Romans. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says, then you will be saved. Paul says there's something that happens. There's this collision between your head and your heart that you know and you understand and you grasp the information of Jesus, but that information doesn't stay in your head. It shifts its way to your heart and it softens your heart and it transforms who you are and how you act. When that happens, you are saved. You experience the true light that John was talking about. So John gives us hope. He shares the greatest message in history. He says the true light, Jesus, is coming into the world. And what's interesting about the first Christmas is the same about 2022. When it comes to Christmas and it comes to light, we are all looking for light this Christmas. Every single one of us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, whether we understand it, whether it registers, registers in our hearts. And this pans out two ways. The first way is some of you today, you're searching for ultimate light. You're in this pursuit to satisfy the depths of your soul, to, to fill a void in your heart that's been created from the moment you were born. And many of us this season, we have this desperate hope that somehow the gifts under our tree, the time with family, all the things that go on would somehow fill that void, would somehow give us that satisfaction in our soul. But it never does. And we go from one Christmas to the next with the same hope and the same failure. It's because the only thing that can satisfy, the only light that can penetrate the darkness that you face of your sin is the light of Jesus. And maybe today you start your holiday season by experiencing that light, a light that can change your now, your future, and your forever. But many of us have done that. Many of us have experienced the light of Jesus in our lives, and I think we're searching for just a reminder of the light, a reminder of how desperate we were for Jesus and what he accomplished in our life, how he has changed us and molded us, and that we need to be reminded this Christmas season that no matter what darkness you face, no matter what your Christmas is going to look like, no matter who's there or who's not, God, that light in your life came to give you peace and hope despite the circumstances that you face. 
And so my challenge really for all of us is as we prepare our schedules, as we encourage our kids, as we get together with our family, that we would choose this Christmas at the beginning, at the focus, that we would embrace the light, the true light that changes everything, that pierces the darkness. Because here's what I know. Light changes everything. Light is powerful. And here's what John tells each and every one of us. At the very first Christmas, the true light came into the world to give anyone and everyone light who would receive it. Jesus' best friends wrote thousands of years ago for you and I today so we would understand what Christmas is about. He says, the true light came into the world. 
And what John does is he describes for all of us what this light came to do. Look what he says in verse four. He says, in him, in that light, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of men. And then don't miss this last phrase. He says, the light shines in the darkness. In the darkness of your sin, in the darkness of your rebellion, in the darkness of our culture and our society, the light of Jesus shines in that darkness. And he says, you know what? That darkness has not overcome the light. And so as you look around the room and you realize the light and how it can change things, can I ask you just a simple but profound question in all of our lives? is where do you need light this Christmas? For some of you, it is the light of Jesus that will change your forever. Where you just choose to allow his light to penetrate your heart by believing in why he came, that you needed him because you were a sinner, and that this baby came to die in your place to pay a penalty you couldn't pay, and three days later, he won the victory. And he just wants to know you, have a relationship with you, be your Lord, your master. And today you embrace that light by just surrendering to it, giving your life to it. But for many of us, maybe we are reminded how the light has changed us, that we still struggle with darkness, right? With addictions, with sin, and remind yourself that the light lives in you. And what happens is for Christians, for Christ followers, you receive the light and then Jesus calls you the light. He says in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Carry my light to your office, to your classroom, to your dorm, to your home, to your children. Be a beacon of hope to a dark and broken world. The light has come and the darkness will not overcome it. So today, church, over our campuses, let's stand together and let's worship the one who brought the light.